Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Belinda Niling Stoner was always told the concert hall was the best place for classical music. She didn't believe it. Yes, you have the acoustic design, the heavy velvet curtains, the audience seated in rapt attention, but what about on stage at Churchill's Pub in Miami, with Usher at the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show, alongside Shakira at the Super Bowl halftime show? That's where Belinda wanted to take her music. She formed the group Baby B Strings, a quartet that performs classical and pop music in unconventional spaces, and its members did perform in all those places with all those stars. For the last 10 years, they've been breaking down barriers between music with music. They take the Beatles to the concert hall. They bring Bach to the beach. On Friday, they'll perform holiday music at the Miami Shores Tree Lighting. Today, they're making music with us. We have three members of Baby B Strings in studio. Belinda, the band leader, Tony Sipersad on the violin, and Jose Paradas on the cello. Let's see if they can help put us in the holiday spirit. Welcome, Baby B Strings. Hi, thanks for having us. So, I mean, uh, you guys are used to playing in unconventional spaces, so during your little the sound check earlier, you guys felt right at home, right? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> if you're, you're working a lot, you just play anywhere that you can. That's been a hospital, uh, and the Lotus House, the Shelter for Women and Children, mm -hmm. Churchill's Pub, the street, anywhere people will listen. That's, I, I, yeah, tell me, I, I'm really curious about how you guys came to this idea, whether it was kind of individually or at different points in your life where you start thinking, there's, there's got to be a, a, a different place to bring classical music to people. I think we all independently came to it and we found each other and it's been a really special chemistry that you don't necessarily find in everyone else that you meet. Well, how did that, how did that come up about for you, Tony? I've always been a huge pop fan, hmm. so I, I was never just a, an only classical guy since I was little. So I, the worlds were always separate. So I, you know, have my classical life and playing in symphonies and hmm. taking lessons and practicing hours a day. And then after that was done, and I needed to like have a good time, <laughs> I would say uh, I, I'd put on pop music and um, all kinds, alternative rock, pop. 60s 70s woodstock stuff like that was kind of my release so you know as i got older and you know it's not um university classes anymore and you're making a living and you have a f little bit more freedom to do what you want to do then naturally you just kind of bridge the two of them together when you can did you find yourself kind of uh like listening to music like on the radio and kind of jamming to it with your own like bringing in violin on your own and how, how did you start to fuse those two worlds um, I, back in my religious life a long time ago, um, I was a, a church music director. Oh, okay. And so I was used to making arrangements of popular music for groups of people. I um, would say that one of my first gigs outside of, like, after I finished college was for a wedding for a couple, and they asked, oh, can you play uh, Friday I'm in Love by The Cure? And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that was a little bit unusual for me. Uh, but then when I did, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I can do this and get paid for it. Let's do more of this. Oh, that that's kind of a switch, though. You're up there playing classical strings music. And how how difficult was it you for you to adjust to do that, to play a pop culture song on the spot? 
Uh, I mean, you know, you practice it, and it was definitely a mm. learning curve. But like Tony, <laughs> I grew up on pop music. I was listening to a lot of like Nirvana and Metallica and that kind of stuff. And I even um, started transcribing uh, some of the Beatles tunes. You know, uh, Eleanor Rigby has strings on it across the universe. I thought was very beautiful. And I would just start, you know, on my own time, would transcribe it down and, and try to play it. And t- tell me about that process, because, I mean, that requires an amazing ear to do that. So, I mean, is it kind of like a, a perfect pitch type of thing? Could you hear the music you would know right away? Or did it take some trial and error to get to those points? I mean, I'm sure both of you guys can speak to that. I, I mean, um, you, I, at least I can play by ear. I think both these guys are really great at playing by ear. That's part of, you know, if you don't naturally have that, you learn to do that in music school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the more you do it, it just gets a lot easier. You definitely don't need perfect pitch in order <laughs> yeah. to do something like that. It's, wow. it's not as um, unique of a skill as uh, a non-musician may think. Yeah. You know, and I you... think with the internet, also, there's a lot more resources that people have done it for you. So you can find music for it or something like a reference uh, that you can easily turn for your instrument. Yeah, I've always said that YouTube University is a great, is a great resource, <laughs> yeah. uh, for sure. Jose, what about you? Tell me about how... How you started to combine those worlds? Did you did you start playing pop music first, classical music first? Which which came first for you? Um, I started playing classical music. So, but you know, we always loved the pop or the rock songs. You know, the classical band. You know, like what? ACDC, what kind of what kind of songs? ACDC. Uh, yeah. Um, you love the Beatles. The Beatles. <laughs> every. Everybody loved the music of, of Beatles, you know. But this is a new. Uh, sorry for my English. Sometimes <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. If you don't use it, you're not gonna. You don't. You don't work on it. You don't improve it. So it's, uh, it's great. But this is a new idea. Um, but every events in Miami, you know, Miami mm-hmm. is this cosmopolitan city. So for us. Is is very pleasure, you know. Uh, try to play an, another uh, music, not only the classical music, you know, pop, rock, right? You know, ACDC, um, uh, Bon Jovi, right, right, Bruno Mars. Yeah, right. absolutely. And we're gonna hear some of that today. Um, Belinda, talk to me about the idea of why it was important for you to to bring music to these kind of unexpected places. In other words, where you're not just people aren't buying a ticket to to go to the the concert hall. You, the first experience that really, that really like, made me see this was uh, after after college. I wasn't really getting called a lot, so I was find my own places to play. And mm. I had called uh, the Lotus House because I saw that they were having a, a gala, a fundraiser. I was like, all right, I'll offer my services. You know, that's very presumptuous as a, a new college graduate. You were hustling. Yeah, I was trying. And she's like, well, you know, our gala is, is booked up, but uh, we would like you know, to bring music to the Lotus House for our guests. Um, and so I was like, okay, yeah, sure, great. Any, any Anywhere that I can play. And really, the reaction that I had at that little small gathering was so much... I don't know, it was very different. It was very intimate. You could see them face-to-face. They were, you could see the glee on their faces. Wow. They're getting excited. And it was just... You really felt the impact of your performance. And I was like, oh, this is really... This is really what it's about, you know? So it doesn't matter if you're in Carnegie Hall or whatever. Like, if I can impact a few people here in front of me, like, that's, it really, you really feel it. And you guys have done something interesting where you, you've kind of played small and big venues. Like, I know that you, obviously you played at Lotus House, which is a women's shelter here in Miami. But you also played, you were at the Super Bowl halftime show, right? 
Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that was an all-women string section, but there was uh, all-entirely Miami uh, talent there, and that's a dream come true. You know, I grew up watching the Super Bowl mostly for the halftime show. <laughs> oh, that's um, great. I mean, you know, the Chiefs are great. They're my home team, but... Um, yeah, so that really changed a, a lot for me. That was like I made it. Beyonce was there watching me. Paul McCartney was there watching me, oh, and wow. I was like, I've achieved it. You know, whatever it is. That is amazing. <laughs> How did that opportunity come about? Um, you know, uh, Tim Mitchell is a friend of mine, and his wife Sarah Packiam. Uh, they're um, Tim works with Shakira, I think, okay. as her music director, and uh, I've known them for a long time, and they had seen us play live at I think one of the book fairs uh, many years ago baby be strings yeah, and so they, together as a, as they, a they knew and she's like oh she's looking for strings can you hook it up and I was like yeah let's do it oh man amazing that was a crazy phone call to get though <laughs> and then like that whole that whole scenario right like you're playing you're talking about playing at Lotus House earlier between this intimate audience where you're making eye contact with people and now it's just a wall of no a wall of sound right I, yeah I mean polar opposite experiences but I would say both it's amazing. Both are amazing experiences yeah. that I wouldn't take back. Yeah, uh, Tony, what about you? Tell me about like those the different kinds of places that you've played. Was was it uh, was it Usher that you were part of uh, part of that show or? Uh, oh, no, no, I I did play for the opening of Formula One in Miami. Oh, that right, because Formula One. Will I am? Yeah, because they've been down here for uh, Formula One's been racing down here for for two years. I want to say now. Uh, what was that experience like playing in front of that crowd? Again, that was like a weird call, astounding call. You get, you know, somebody says, hey, would you uh, mind getting a string section together for this opening of uh, Formula One? And, you know, I'm not the biggest uh, sports enthusiast uh, or race car enthusiast. So I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know that they were British. Um, so did <laughs> you know like, that? But you're like, I do know music. That I can do, right? Yeah. And then I, I didn't know that Will I Am was their, uh, I think, musical ambassador in, in some capacity. Uh-huh. So there were a lot of um, great musical minds that were on, on the gig. And like Belinda was saying, that, you know, one celebrity begets many other celebrities. So you have LL Cool J and and uh, a number of other celebrities that are watching you on the track, you know, performing, which is pretty exhilarating. Uh, it's great. You know, the, the reality in, in this world being a classical instrumentalist is, at least in South Florida, there's no full-time orchestra. So you can't really make a living as a classical musician mm. unless you're, you know, part of your, your career is teaching. Right. Like maybe you could teach at a university, university or teach a lot of students. Um, but if you want to have more of a career as a performer, you have to diversify. You know, and lucky for us, we enjoy it. There might be some others that, you know, wish that they could only do classical, but, you know, it's definitely not us as a group. Right. Well, you guys have definitely found a, a niche for it. And I think that, like, now is a perfect time to kind of show folks what we mean. Um, so, Baby B Strings, will you guys play us something? Yes, please. Sure. All right. Well, well, well you guys get your instruments set up. You know some of the songs that you guys have uh, have practiced. Uh, they 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 range. They go. They run the gamut from uh, um, from uptown funk uh, to Lady Gaga, Bon Jovi. You know the old classic tequila. Um, but um, we'll let you guys surprise us with with what you're gonna play next. Um, but I'm 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 sure that uh, we're all we've all been looking forward to it. Floor is yours, baby. B strings. All right. Let's make sure everything is. Yes, Synced get up. the nice sound check going here. Get everything set. Yeah. What are we feeling, folks? What are we going to hear first? 
A little Bruno Mars? Oh, a little sure. Bruno Mars. Little Let's hear it. Uptown funk in downtown Miami. <laughs> Baby B Strings playing Uptown Funk by Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. You know, this this music really does kind of make, it, it, it touches people, I think, in a different way. Talk to me about some of the places that you guys, the unusual places that you've brought Strings music in and, and how people have responded to that. I, um, during, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, everything was shut down. And so the only thing that I saw open was the Miami Cancer Institute had an artist in resident position open. Oh, okay. So for that whole year, I played music for cancer patients while they were getting chemo infusions. Oh, my gosh. And you would think that it was probably like a, a very grim uh, situation, but it really shows like the power of music. And every situation I would go into, it would just turn everything completely around and people were laughing having a good time dancing with a port there the nurse would have to say we got to stop moving so much oh because someone had a port catheter like in there oh my god yeah yeah because they were having such a great time and from that uh you know my whole life i've been more of a you know on the stage you perform audience listens Mm -hmm. and i never really thought about how therapeutic music is and how much people really enjoy it because it's our career we do it all the time but there is a a lot of power to it and so from that point uh, I was there for a year 
Um, I started playing for old folks and I started playing just for random people, sometimes on the street, just because I know how much uh, capital is there in music and happiness. So I would say probably the, the Miami Cancer Institute for chemo patients at that moment is probably the most interesting or unique place I've ever played. That, that seems like it really changed something for you. You personally, your interest in performance and music. Yeah, I was there also. My, my mom passed away from cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was um, therapeutic for me as well to be in a room with people when they were going through that because I had much more experience at that point being on the other side of things, being in the chair, the caregiver side. Mm-hmm. So it was it was really beautiful thing. And I, I don't know, I think it just sometimes I forget, maybe us as musicians forget how beautiful what we create is. Did you have moments like that growing up? Tell me about like how music came into your life where it really where it brought some of that joy early on that's kept that's kept fueling you. Um I think when I was little, um I was just good at it. Was your mom into music? No, but my mom, huh. I mean she, she it always wanted to be a musician mm. and she always felt like piano was compulsory education for every child. Like every child has <laughs> yes. to learn to read music. It's just part of your education like math and science is. Amazing. So all of my my brother, sister, and I played, and um, I'm the only one that really enjoyed it. <laughs> so I stuck with it. And then when you're good at something, then, you know, it makes you feel good about it. And, yeah. you know, compared to other kids and, you know, teachers, I don't know, they kind of favorite you a little bit. So I enjoyed that aspect of uh-huh. it. And then as I got older, I started, like, really getting introduced to the crazy interesting repertoire that the classical music world has and most people do not know classical music they think that they love you know it's this you know old old white people in a concert hall but really there's so much classical music that's based on crazy folk tunes and um people of any nightmares yeah all kinds of things like you know all even operas i with um a summer camp, you know, I would go through operas and ballets with kids, and if you break down the story, they're they're like Grimm's fairy tales, you know, really dark and you oh, know they're yeah. so riveting and interesting when you listen to it. Yeah, so. and and I'm curious about you, Belinda. We're talking about interesting places and places like and places where music has really flipped a switch for you. You know, talk to me about how how that happened for you. I will say, um, as a child, well, my mother is very into music, so she mm. always uh, had music on and always like showed us the sound of music and the Lion King was you know big in our house and we were always singing along and I even would make instruments for myself like out of straws I'd make a recorder or oh, make that's like, a little guitar poke holes into a straw yeah, and make and a recorder yeah exactly so I was always kind of really into it and um, I think like Tony uh, you're you're good at it and you know you find that oh I can keep doing this for a living and not have to you know not not to knock on like nine to fives but that's not for me right me right. neither yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, what kind of, did, was your family, like, were your parents nine to five, the type no, jobs? No, they, they, they owned a Chinese restaurant in a small town in Kansas. But, really? But we're all, uh, everybody in my immediate family is self-employed, so it's not weird for me to, to go out and it'd be like a freelancer. Right, you know, no, they, they, they were, they, yeah. they've been people who, who have uh, been, like you said, are entrepreneurs their yeah, whole life, so yeah. that, that totally fits. Yeah, yeah. Jose, I'm curious about you. Where did, where did music first come into your life? Uh... My sister played piano. She so, did, like classical yeah, piano. The classical piano. So my father and my mom, uh, when I have uh, eight years old, uh-huh. you were eight uh, years old, mm-hmm. 
turned the, 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 the art of school in Cuba uh-huh. and come away. So I start playing the cello. Oh, you but started you know, with the cello yeah, right away. Oh. Yeah, but you go to the school maybe for the piano, but they say, oh, this is boy is very tall, you know. Right, this guy can hold the cello, very, right? Yeah, oh, I said, no, 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 go to the cello. <laughs> you say, oh my God, I don't have idea for the instrument, you know. Maybe everybody know the violin or the piano. But now the cello is, is very popular, you know, the two cello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the music is... is, is Yo yo ma, yeah, no, yeah. no, the, the cello, the cello's hot, man. I yeah. would say one thing I really enjoy about Jose's playing is he's not afraid to handle it and play aggressively, or what feels like to a lot of musicians as aggressively. But I think when you're playing pop and rock music, you need that that drive and that kind of aggression to to really bring out the the full texture of the instrument and not be afraid to get a little bit down and dirty with it. Okay, because I noticed when he was playing here, like there was a, a piece of a string on the bow that, that, that had come free. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. is, that a, is that what we're talking about? That's like, a really frequent good? occurrence with him to break uh, horse hairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm curious about kind of where, where this next phase goes. Like how did, how did you have this idea? Like how did you find people that's, that were like thinkers and say like, well, this is a thing that we can do together. Like I can do, I can go to the the Cancer Institute, Tony, and play for these folks alone. Or, or you could say, you know, I could play in such and such space. At what point did the idea come together? It was like, how do I, how did you get these people together to play this music? I met Tony probably around 2009. Maybe Sounds a little bit. Right. Yeah, I don't oh, know. So you guys have been playing together for Tony's a, a from long time. here. And I finished school in 2006. And uh, he believed in me early on when, you know, I didn't really know a lot of people around. So he's been with me a long time and, you know, we have different different skills outside of violin, you know? Uh, and then Jose came here in 2016, and I think actually Tony was on that gig as well. Yeah. And it was just instant connection. He was, I think, Jose, you've been here less than a year, and we were, uh, um, we're communicating through Google Translate because his English was very basic and my Spanish was very basic. Oh, that's so interesting that like yeah, but it, for together. Yeah, with Sony and, uh, and, and but we I think we instantly realized how good yeah. and how special Jose was. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, very so special you, guy. You came from Cuba. <laughs> or you came through Venezuela for Venezuela from Venezuela. You I, lived in Venezuela for a while then. Twenty two years. Oh my goodness, most of your life. Yeah. What was that? That experience must have been some quite something. You left. You left one country with a with a, a terrible yeah, political past into another one um and then having to flee again yeah you know that i go to the venezuela in 1994 oh wow but you know there's the venezuela situation so uh you know chavez uh, 94 would have been a, yeah, around the time chavez is a uh, complicated yeah. situation yeah but for 22 years i played shallow to you know classical music orchestra uh, you know the movimiento mm-hmm. with Antonio Abreu, um, but in 2016 I came to Miami, and and you've played with some big names. You played with Placido Domingo, yeah. with Juanes, and with Luis Fonsi. Yeah, right. Uh, no, there's uh, from the um, l- last years I played that from the. Um, I do not remember the name. Uh, I'm thinking of this. John Secada. Oh, John show Secada. For HBO. Yeah, John Secada John was a, Secada, was a yeah. well-known songwriter here in Miami who had a, a, a musical career himself. So you guys come together. When was the moment that you guys realized, like, oh, we're doing something special? Like, was there a show? Was there a moment where you I put it all it together? I think just slowly over time. Mm. We were more doing it, and we realized that we were kind of on a similar wavelength and, you know, had complementary skills again, you know. 
um, and just had a, a similar sensibility. None of us sit still very well, you know? <laughs> we are always trying to do something. So, like um, what? What kind of projects? Because you guys perform together, obviously, as Baby B Strings, but you guys have separate projects going between you guys, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I worked on a animated short film with uh, the Biscayne poet Oscar Fuentes and Carla Caprale. She's an animator, uh, and just before the pandemic, um, I had these recordings that had been sitting on my computer for uh, ten years. Wow! And I had previously worked with uh, Oscar Fuentes in a previous capacity. And I sent it to him, and I was like, hey, is this anything that you would like to do some poetry over? And like within 30 minutes, he sent me back the you know, phone recording of like, oh, I re just record this. And it, he was very excited about it. And so uh, we went to the studio and recorded it, and we're like, okay, now we have this cool recording, now what? And then the pandemic happened, and Oscar was like, oh, I know this animator, I think she's great. She would love to work with us and, and make a video for this. And then it kind of spiraled into this big project. We got accepted into a lot of film festivals. Um, you know, and we've done more films since then, and it's just been, you know, this thing that happened organically, just us trying to do something and contacting other people and, you know, making things. Right. And, w and what about for you, Tony? Like, what kind of things were you, what kind of things are you doing individually, you know, uh, that, that kind of complement or kind of like, you know, fill, fill out the things you do outside the group, you know? I have things that are interesting to you. I have a whole theater life outside of violin. So, a theater life. Yeah, I am the director of the Seminole Theater Players in Homestead, okay. Florida, at the historic uh, Seminole Theater. Um, shout out to all y'all. Um, yeah, I also grew up singing and playing piano and writing a bit. So, so theater is uh, like playing for the theater, adding that that element of of orchestral music to it to the theater. No, actually, like acting and singing and vocal coaching with all the the other actors that are there. Uh, so it's like a, a side, completely away from music itself. Completely away from everything else. I mean, there's times that I've I've played violin a little bit if I'm music directing a show or something like that, but. Um, yeah, I, I have that. I, I, I'm probably one of these people, if you just say, um, do, you, do you do X, Y, and Z? I'll just say yes, because <laughs> I feel like... Tony, you're crazy talented. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I always feel like um, musicians, when they go to music school, you know, we tend to just learn one instrument or we focus in one lane. But I really do feel like that these musicians who get scholarships and make it into the university level and, uh, you know, really have a lot more talents outside of their one instrument. So I've like committed to myself that I'm going to try to explore every part that I have to offer, even if there's no lane already there, just carve out a bunch of different lanes. I love that. I love that. Well, you're the, the music that you guys do sometimes does that. Like um, you, you guys were saying you play a, like a light, like a Lady Gaga medley, which is again that idea of taking several songs and fusing them into kind of one performance and i was you know as we're kind of getting to the bottom of the segment here i was wondering do you guys feel up to playing uh playing yeah, that or something else are you guys all right <laughs> well i know we had a lot to choose from as you guys set up um we had a lot to choose from and you were giving us a lot of options here but the, the lady gaga medley sounded like a lot of fun um because i do think that it probably it probably goes towards uh, what you're saying uh fusing Fusing the different sounds, fusing the different uh, uh, different beats, and kind of bringing them together. Um, so when you, you guys, whenever you guys are ready, you can holler at us, and and we'll we'll have some uh, medley of Lady Gaga.
Baby B strings playing a Lady Gaga medley. I'm so curious as to the preponderance of this music. In other words, have you seen like an interest in like what where what have you seen in the interest in people uh, wanting to hear more of their songs like translated into a, a musical into an orchestral or strings way? Huge. Uh, um, I think it's the candlelight concerts that I've seen started maybe a few years ago. Right. And yeah. I think that's really taken off and piqued the interest of many people. But even in the 90s, I remember the Metallica Strung Out album, uh-huh. which was uh, all Metallica songs arranged for a string quartet. And when you hear like metal songs like put into that context, um, it's really beautiful and haunting. And I know people were who were in the know really enjoyed that. And now I feel like it's kind of exploded a little bit. People like with the two cello group, you know, you know they're called two cellos. Mm-hmm. They were playing, you know, Guns N' Roses, and that was taking off. And I think the public is starting to get more familiar with our classical instruments hearing uh, pop music. I will so. say also, uh, in the last few years, Bridgerton, their entire score has been pop music that's arranged for string quartet. Oh, right. And it, it, it's really, I think, made it even more popular than it was before. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. What What is that guy, what has that done for you guys in, as far as your your interest in music? Like, has it taken you strictly more down this path or do you find yourself self still wanting the, the concert hall feel? I think all of us have varied interests we wouldn't be happy mm-hmm. just doing one thing uh jose and i have started a new group actually a side group with our friend richard hargett called sugar and scotch and okay. he's a drummer so we've kind of taken it to the next level it's not just strings anymore it's with like a driving set of drums oh it's, it's, it's interesting so you take kind of an element of what you're doing now but you you bring another element yeah to, to really up the, the the level a little bit you know maybe use some effect pedals and stuff like that how, how is it different in other words I, i'm curious about songs that lend themselves music that lends themselves to strings Versus like what you're doing with, you know, now you add a percussion. Um, so tell me about that. Talk to me about, because we were talking about modern, uh, I was like, any modern songs? And you were like, well, you know, there's not a lot of modern music that has like new melody that was super interesting to you. What songs lend themselves to strings? Um, songs that have good melodies and chord progressions or like a good riff. Uh, I hate to say it, but, and, you know, I'm going to sound like an old person, but more the older songs. Like Beatles are really melodic. Even uh, the ones that we've chosen have been really because they're not so repetitive. You can identify them if you just hum it. Mm-hmm. You don't need the lyrics or you don't need the singer to necessarily identify what it is. That's interesting. Do you find yourself anytime with, is there is there a portion where you um, fill in the, the the lyrics, in other words, the sound of the musician, the sound of the singer with strings? Is Are there any songs that work that way where you basically 
stand the music the string stand in for the for the vocals? Sure. I think most of the songs that we do at least one person is doing the the, the melody. Um, there's another way you could do it, which is kind of completely flip it and and keep the melody and the chord progression, but do it entirely differently, not trying to necessarily mimic the original recording. I think the voice has its own set of unique qualities, and so does the the, the string instruments. So for the things that like you you can't really imitate very well, like mm-hmm. you know we can't really do lyrics or anything, but we can do certain riffs that. A, a voice can't do. We can do tremolos on our with our bows that it, it's not possible to do on in the voice. So we can take whatever is in our uh, wheelhouse and add it to a song that in a way that you've probably never heard to. I, I'm curious some of the response in your own in your own worlds in your own families. You know who saw you kind of come up, who saw you come up in a more classical way uh, to be doing more pop music. What is what have those reactions been like? <laughs> You'll hear a lot of entertainers say that their parents, even if they're the most famous person, don't really understand what they do or they didn't believe them until they saw them on some huge stage or mm. was somehow relatable. And my parents were always like, oh, yeah, maybe you should still go to like law school or go get a teaching <laughs> degree or something. You know, they didn't really get it until like my mom saw me on the on the Super Bowl halftime. She was like, oh, OK, maybe maybe she's she knows what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> it took for you to end up on it, national it TV like at the that. Super Bowl for them to get it. I, I think one of the areas that Belinda and I bond on mm-hmm. are first generation um, immigrant families. You know, we, we I think you're first generation. Yeah, my parents yeah. immigrated here. And so so with mine and my family is, is Trinidadian by way of India mm. from maybe 100 years before that. But, you know, they were very proper. They have very traditional views of what a career is. Mm-hmm. And um my my mother loved that I played classical music, but she didn't want me to like major in it or like to to actually you know have a career in it, and always you know worried about that. Um, so yeah, I I think it was like let that be you know your your B your plan B you know have a plan A, and so. I remember I went into teaching for a little bit after uh, college, and I thought I'd get a stable job and benefits and all that kind of thing. And I realized I am just not built for that. I have some kind of diurnal um, disorder, so <laughs> right. you know I naturally go to bed at seven a.m. and I get up, you know, around two three p.m. And so it, it was not working for me. So my my back my backup was uh, playing music, wow. and it's been the best decision. I've never regretted it. There must have been a point where you're you have to take a leap, right? You really you have to leave the day job, you have to leave the security of the nine to five and the benefits. Talk to me about that time because those time we we talk about we're the end so much and the success you're having now, but not so much sometimes that uncertainty. We will you guys talk about that period that for you where it was that period of uncertainty, like am I going to be able to make it at this? I think right after I finished college, you know, we uh, I took a bunch of part-time jobs at the mall and like helping people out and stuff like that and it got to a point where I knew if I was really gonna full effort my music career and really give it a chance I had to basically not do other things Mm. or do it very minimally Mm. only as a means to be able to enable me to do music I couldn't be good at it or give my full effort and having to be a plan b you know right the the first time doing it without a net yeah exactly you get forced into just you have to make it work you know yeah were there were there big moments for you guys moments that like you look back and say this was a moment that kept me 
on this path or were there people that that you relied on that were encouraging to you that were that were mentors to you in this um i for me i i think that i'm one of those weird people that didn't really have too much of a self-esteem issue when i was young i was I was always thinking, I can do this, I can do that, you know, like you just work hard enough and you do it. All the things that people tell you that you're supposed to think about yourself and, you know, not get down on, um, you know, not having everything figured out in that moment. So, I don't know, I, I had kind of a trust the universe feel to it. And has spoken like a, like a theater guy right there. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to have to improv, you'll improv. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I've never lived in another country, but I, there's so many opportunities if people just apply themselves. I, I, I think one of my biggest motivators was seeing so many people that weren't very talented that were making <laughs> it. And I'm like, wow. Like, if that guy can do it. Yeah, you know, and it's, but I would also see the hustle. And I'm yeah. like, that person hustles way more than me. You know, like, let's see how I can figure this out. There's got to be a way. Like, there's, you know, there's a million thing, uh, opportunities in, in this country to, to figure out a business, you right. know, model for your talent. Right. I'm curious, Belinda, for you guys as part of this group, where what's your wheelhouse, right? Because you obviously, like you started, you and Jose have started a, a side project with a third musician. What is Baby B Strings wheel, wheelhouse? Like what is it that, that is your favorite kind of events to do? Like where is it that you guys are best, so to speak? For me personally, mm -hmm. I won't speak for these guys. I like community events, mm -hmm. kind of public facing ones. Um, it just, it's a different crowd, you know? It's people that aren't necessarily here to see you, but then you're there and you're like, oh, they, they weren't expecting it, but it's nice, you know, and you might change uh, their perspective on something or, you know, surprise them in a nice way. And it's just, it's fun. Have you, know? you what, what were some of those moments that you've had where you, where you see that you surprised people with, with the sounds they're hearing? We were playing at the book fair or the children's alley. And I think we were playing Uptown Funk. Just some lady starts like singing along and dancing. She's having a good time, you know? She like, I know that song. Yeah, That's not a... yeah. Just having that spontaneous moment of joy is, is priceless. And you guys are doing something similar. Uh, you, you're playing a community event uh, this week, right? At, uh, at Miami Shores? Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, I think it was maybe a year or two ago. They had asked us to play a different event uh outdoors and you know i guess they must have really liked it and they knew that we we're fun you know we have videos online and so they can kind of see what we did and you know it's it still feels elevated to them because it's strings so like oh it's classical adjacent mm. but it's it's fun and people know it and it's not too you know not too not like considered stuffy right yeah like it's not music yeah. and there's something about music that people recognize like yeah, you said yeah um so i will um when you look on YouTube and you look up classical music, one of the suggested things is like classical music for sleeping, classical music for studying. <laughs> and I'm just like, we're not that. Let's let's change some minds. I know we have the stereotype sometimes, but you know we need to let people know it's more than just that. Music is music. Violin is violin. Cello is cello. You know, it's all it's all the same. <laughs> I don't really have a preference for. Um the type of event, mm -hmm. more of the vibe of the event and how people are receiving and how you're being treated. You know, there are definitely gigs that we've played where, you know, you're just a step above a custodian. You're like the hired help. Like they usher you in through the back, like just go in here. Don't make any noise. Don't like, you know, look at anybody like, you know, any kind of environment like that. Like if it's paying the bills. Sure. I don't mind doing that. But my favorite kind of event is where they look at you more as an artist and the people that are listening 
are really receiving what it is that you're doing. Mm. And you feel that synergy and that camaraderie. So whether it's, you know, in a chemotherapy room or it's at a wedding or it's at some kind of public event, if that kind of camaraderie is there and respect is there, then my heart feels full and I just really play out to my fullest. And uh, an event like like the one this weekend, uh, it's all like holiday music. So uh, how long does it take you guys to take something that's, you know, a traditional holiday song and, and turn it into the baby bee sound? I will say being formally trained, all of us, we're good at learning quickly. I think mm. that's one reason that it's so fun to work with these guys. They're so talented and we could read it once and be pretty good, you know. Um, and sometimes you don't even get the benefit of a rehearsal. I've been in that situation where you're just like, here's the music, you got to play it in 10 minutes to the best of your ability, almost perfectly, like, go. I'm not, wow. you know, uh, I won't say we always do that, but that has been known to happen. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, what what do you feel like this has done for, for like, other aspects of your life, you know, where, where you think outside the box a little bit? Like, tell me about that, about, you know, uh, life with your families and what have you. <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, no, just yeah. like how how have you guys, how has this like affected like your ability to like connect with you know being able to connect with people in a different way and and uh, and kind of bring your you know bring people's different expectations to people's lives. Let's say that. I think um, one of the benefits I tell my students is that when you can play an instrument well, people listen to you. People want to know you. Um, anytime mm. I've performed somewhere. There's always a group of people within that event that want to talk to you. They want to give uh, you their card. They want to include you on a panel um, and and boost you up. And I tell all my students that it's it's when you can play an instrument well, uh, it gives you a lot. It gives you a seat at the table. Mm. And I, in many parts of my life, I have had a seat at the table, which has allowed me to really pursue a lot of what I wanted to in, in the theater world, sitting mm. on boards, you know, I think it, there's like this little bit of a VIP status. And I think that's been an amazing boon for my career to be able to do that, sit on the board of different organizations and then uh, see what their influences and their networks are and then become part of that. I will say when I was younger, I thought everyone played violin or music, and I was just like, oh, yeah, there's like a million of us. Everyone does it. And then when you leave school, you're like, oh, I'm the only one, and no one does. Like, in the general population, you're the only one, and most people don't know a violinist or a professional musician. And not a lot of people do uh, what you do, which is uh, interpret these, interpret modern music, uh, you know, in, in, in a classical sound. And as we're coming to the end of the show, I uh, would love it for if you guys would play us out with uh, one more. Uh, you guys were thinking of something. You think you were thinking of Bon Jovi or, or whatever yeah. you guys were feeling? Yeah, let's do it. All yeah, right. Well, we're, we're living on a prayr here. I love it. Baby B Strings gonna gonna play us out here with a little. Thanks bunch for having of us. It's been super fun. Oh, it's yeah, been it's been a blast for us. Believe me, we we got the better end of it, and uh, and it's it's great to see you guys be able to to make it all happen. It's a it's a pleasure and a joy for us. <clears throat> this is Baby B Strings going to reinterpret Bon Jovi's "Living on a Prayer."
listening to Baby B Strings reinterpreting Bon Jovi. They'll be playing at the Miami Shores tree lighting ceremony on Friday. And that's Sundown for Tuesday, November 28th. Leslie Obaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. And Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Merch is WLRN's VP of Radio. And our engineer is Richard Ives. Coming up tomorrow on the show, local comedian Chris Renoir made his acting debut at the Tribeca Film Festival this year. He was also a semi-finalist on Stand Up NBC. He joins us for some laughs. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.